The following is a CSPN Media podcast presentation. well with everyone. I hope everyone is, you know, getting into the new year and they are putting their foot down and getting what they know they should be getting. I know it's been a while. Um, I took a couple weeks off from podcasting to, you know, gather myself, relax, not think as much. Because I know that you all listening, it might seem like podcasting is easy or, you know, you just talk your shit and keep it moving. But it really takes a lot of work and effort. So I just wanted to take some time off to regroup my thoughts and to really lay out a plan on how I want to communicate with you all and what I really want to say and really hone in on things I want to talk about as opposed to just being random all the time. Being random works sometimes, but not always. Um, so, yeah, I just wanted to take some time off and um, really just chill for a second and get my life together. So I want to say thank you all for those who participated in voting for Dainty Thug on um, Pods of Color. Thank you so much. Thank you all who shared your screenshots with me, showing me that Dainty Thug was um, one of your most listened to podcasts in your personal library. I really appreciate it. Thank you so much. Um, I feel the love and I'm happy. Sometimes, you know, um, being a solo host, um, has its ups, but it has its downs. Cause you know, sometimes when I record, I don't, Sometimes I feel like I'm just talking to myself. And I've mentioned that a few times. And I'm just talking to myself. But y'all, some of y'all be listening to me. And y'all feel me. So I fucks with y'all. Thank you very, very much. Now, this is a longer um, episode than usual. I hope you all stick around. Because me and my homie, MC Brooks, we had a really good conversation about Black Lightning and CW shows. We also kind of started talking about music and some of the uh, great TV shows of the decade that, you know, some are are coming back, what we like, what we didn't like. So it's a good conversation if you want to take a quick um, jog right back down memory lane for the past 10 years. Um, So, yeah, thank you. For your support, I appreciate it. 
Um, we have some really good content that will be released on Dainty Thug within the next couple of weeks. I'm going to release all of the interviews of the Expanse cast that will be coming up. I have an awesome interview with a young lady who was releasing a natural hair book dedicated to her sister. That's coming up. So we have some really cool things. Also... January 17th, I will, I plan on being in Philly to see Angela Davis, and I'm really excited, um, Angela Davis is, like, one of my heroes, and I have been trying to meet her at least for the past 10 years, but it just not has been working out, it hasn't been working out, but I'm hoping that I'll be able to see her and meet her next week, also, I know, I'm just giving you all a lot of information. If you are in the tri-state area, you should come and meet me and come out to the Black Comic Book Festival at the Schomburg in Harlem. I will actually be moderating a panel, um, and I'm going to be talking about Afrofuturism. So I am excited for, like, a lot of things coming up that's really cool. And I'm actually, I want to, you know, brag about myself a little bit. I feel like I'm doing something that's a little brag worthy. So check out the episode. It's a little bit longer than usual. But if you're chilling, commuting, or whatever, you're in work and you want to just hear me talk about some of the music I love and my excitement of Black Lightning being renewed and the the direction the show is going on, going with rather, then just, you know, sit back, relax, and hang out with me for an hour or two. So again, Happy New Year, you all. Thank you again for all of your support. It's very much appreciated, and I really feel it from the bottom of my heart. And I will be seeing you on the other side. Peace. Hey, what is up, everybody? It's been a minute. <clears throat> it's been a, a, a long minute, actually. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, today, I got the incredible MC Brooks. He's going to be talking with me today as we talk about a few things. Um, MC Brooks was popping. Your favorite rappers, rappers, rappers. What's going on? You know. What's good? Thanks for joining me. All right, it's so, an honor. <laughs> thank you. Happy New Year to all y'all. It's been a minute, you know. Um. All right, so last time I actually did a podcast, I released a quick teaser on um. The Expanse. Are you watching The Expanse, Brock? Not watching The Expanse. It's on my list of shows to watch. I'm kind of backed up, whereas most people have, like, already binged, like, The Witcher and you and all these recent stuff. Like, I'm still I'm still trying to catch up on stuff because, yeah. So, I, I, okay, so I have The Expanse on my list. Yeah, not there yet. Not there yet. Okay, so... I only got through maybe, like, a couple episodes, but I haven't, like, finished the series. So after this um, episode, this podcast episode, I'm actually going to upload all of the um, 
interviews I did with the entire cast at New York Comic Con, I have like an hour of audio with them. And I know like the fans fans love the show. And um, it was kind of weird to interview them because I had I had not seen the first three seasons. So I was, you know, it's kind of like jumping in and reporting on something completely brand new. Right. And I had, I didn't read the books or anything like that. So I had no previous knowledge of the experience except for the episode they allowed the press to watch at New York Comic Con. <clears throat> now, I will say, um, from what I've seen, visually is very stunning. Like, if you are a sci-fi scene and you love, like, out-of-space shit and, like, blowing up stuff and just the thought of navigating and traveling through space, you will enjoy it. I think the story is, like, a very slow burn. You know, once you get past, you know, the the slow burn of the storyline, it gets right to the punch. Because once it gets to the punch, it gets to the punch. But it's like you have to, like, really sit back and, like, take everything in. But I'm still going through it. So I promised that I was going to do a, um, on a podcast recap of each episode that's going to be a little harder than I thought because I'm so backed up in stuff that I'm watching but I'm going to give to it because I've already posted the first episode on Fabulized Mag so if y'all want to go read that I talk about a little bit of the first episode that I've already seen you all can tell me what your opinion on it is if you want to watch it or you don't want to watch it but what we're going to talk about tonight is that we're going to talk about that black Lightning is renewed. Yes. I am so happy. Because I feel like, I remember last year, or maybe like the year before last or so, when Luke Cage was still on Netflix, and it was like right after the second season had wrapped up, and Black Lightning, I think it was in the second season, or maybe first, I can't remember. Yeah, and it was like the middle of the second season. I, you know, I was very vocal about how I believe, you know, Black Lightning was a better product than Blue Cage. Now, like, don't get me wrong, I really, I was digging Blue Cage. Like, I, like, the villains, uh, the villains looks cool, but in that Marvel Netflix universe, the best villain, hands down, hands down to me, was Kingpin. Oh, absolutely. Like, for, for like a, yeah, for like a TV villain, like, that was it. Kingpin was, like, top-notch for me. But then, you know, I feel like that crown now goes to Tobias Wells. Like, he, and he's not even, like, really cursing. Like, he's on, like, regular TV. Like, he's not even right. on, like, a Netflix. And the the writing and the plot of Black Lightning is so 
different from Luke Cage. Like, I like that they have it. They didn't try to be like Luke Cage. And it is really a great show. Like, I feel like with Luke Cage, there was these constant reminders that, you know, you're watching a black show. But with Black Lightning, you feel that it is a black show. Yeah, I'd agree. I'd agree with that. It doesn't feel forced, you know. It does, it doesn't feel like like watching Luke Cage. You can get the you can get the feeling sometimes that this was like a group of white writers got together and was like, hmm, if we were black, what would we put in the show? Oh, how about this and this and we'll do this and Luke Cage kind of gave you that feel. Whereas Black Lightning, you know, like. And maybe it's because they do a better job of really setting up Freeland and setting up the universe that Black Lightning exists in. You get to see the community. You get to see what the world is like there. And then you also got to see how your characters are interacting with that world. And for those of us who grew up primarily around black people, it reminded us, you know, maybe of our upbringing or or maybe, uh, you know, a time period that we spent you know, surrounded by, you know, other black people. And so I think that's that's a major difference right there in just the feel and tone of the show, the shows. Yes, yes, yes. Now, I I kind of, like, the, at the beginning of season three, I was like, you know what would be funny if, like, CW tries to, like, do crossovers and make us watch other shows. They know damn well all these black people are not going to be watching and, you know, towards the end of the season, they had this little crossover that I haven't watched the crossovers yet, but I feel like I have to so I can figure out what the hell's going on. But I feel like they really tried, they really, they banked on the traffic and the fans of Black Lightning to watch the other shows. It's a smart move. I mean, I would have did it. I mean, so I like I I watch a couple of different YouTube channels that like follow ratings and stuff. Cause I watch a couple of the other CW shows. I watch uh, some of the other superhero shows like Flash and Arrow and Supergirl, and then I also watch some of the non-superhero stuff like Riverdale and All American. All American side note: All American really underrated show. Um, so I, I follow all of these, and the, interest, the interesting thing is that um, as far as Black Lightning is concerned, as far as its ratings, like its, its ratings compared to, like, the other shows on the CW, perhaps not quite, like, it's not quite what they would be. Like, they're not in danger of being canceled. Like, they, they're not in danger of being canceled anytime soon. You know, I mean, and obviously that isn't the case because they got renewed for, uh, for uh, you know, season four which is, you know, again, really great news. Um, but I, I was coming into season three, I, I was curious to see if that was a thing that they were going to try to do, especially because, you know, they, they do these big superhero team-ups with all the other shows that are on there. And so I know you haven't watched the crossover. I, I have, and I got to say, it, it's kind of really awesome to see Black Lightning, like, interact with interact with uh you know these other heroes like flash um flash and supergirl and something like in a few of the other things. it's it's really cool to see um but i i'm i'm curious if the 
if you remember when Black Lightning first got, you know, announced, you know, a lot of people questioned, like, oh, is this going to be part of the same universe? And the showrunners were pretty adamant that, like, no, Black Lightning is its own thing. It's not part of, you know, what everyone else is doing. And so I'm, I'm curious if, if it's kind of the opposite of what you were saying, if they're banking on, you know, maybe if we include Black Lightning with some of these other shows that, you know, maybe we can get a bump from, you know, people who already watch these other shows to now they'll, you know, they'll try to tune in to Black Lightning. Because, I mean, all things considered, Black, Black Lightning, as, as I, this season especially, has probably been, like, compared to all of the shows, it's probably been either the best or the second best of all those hero shows. And it's really a shame really? that more people, it's a shame that more people aren't really watching it. Like, I, I'm caught up on all the other shows that air, and Black Lightning is, is right up there with, I would say, The Flash as far as just kind of how good it's been. And, and, and it's very different from Flash because it's a much more grounded show, whereas in Flash you're, you're dealing with more supernatural type of stuff, you know, a person who has, like, flying powers or ice abilities or something. You don't really get that with Black Lightning. It's a much more grounded show. So that makes the, the story and the plot, and it's more story-focused, and it makes it a, a bit more interesting. And so, like, I've been trying to get people to watch Black Lightning because, I mean, it's, been, it's, it's great. And, and, you know, if you can waste your time watching crap like Legends of Tomorrow, which is awful <laughs> and should have been canceled, I'm very adamant about that. If you can, if you can, if you can invest in some of these other shows that th- that you know this season had, like have not been interesting or good, and aren't and aren't featuring black people, you know, doing really dope stuff, then you can you can watch Black Lightning. It's it's better, I would say. I really appreciate Black Lightning, like the writing, the pacing of it. You know, I know some people complain that it's too slow. But to me, I don't, I don't feel like it's slow. I feel like everything is working to a moment, and the moment, every moment that has been working towards has been a good payoff. I agree. I, I, that was my complaint about season two. Season two, I felt like it was building to something, but it, didn't, it, it never actually got to the thing it was building towards. But I think the payoff has been this season has been fantastic. I mean, we're 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 I mean, we're getting great acting from everyone from from everyone um, on the show, and stuff that was you know st- little seeds that they had been setting up with like Jennifer and and Anissa and and Jefferson and Lynn in in season two is like we're starting to see stuff really manifest now. So we're getting these really cool these really cool moments that are their payoffs from season two or from just uh, earlier in, in this season in particular. I, I, I think, I mean, like, like I said, I, I think they've done a phenomenal job this season. I think they've perfectly hit, like, the tone and pace with a show like that needs to have. I agree. And you know what? I mean, they really pull in, like, a Tyler Perry, uh, a Tyler Perry special where, like, they bring in out all the black actors. Like, you'd be like, you, still got Rob- you got Robert Townsend saying nigga, nigga on TV? I- I'm still not over that. Like, you got Robert Townsend to say nigga on TV. On TV? What? 
it's like fantastic. Like I I love it. So you've seen the crossovers. Right. Give me give me like a synopsis of what the crossovers really what is about. Okay, so so uh the lore that's been established on the other shows, especially Flash, is that uh, there's a multiverse that exists. There are multiple Earths that exist, and uh, our characters, you know, the characters in all these shows, they all exist on one Earth or another, you know what I'm saying? And so uh, what this crossover is about is, and it was set up by the Elseworlds crossover that began last year, is basically you have this uh, this uh, enemy known as the Anti-Monitor. You can think of, so that the monitor, you have the monitor and you have the anti-monitor. The monitor is kind of like watching over our universe. He's, he's kind of a godlike character. And so the, the bad guy is the anti-monitor. And the anti-monitor has come, come over into our universe and basically wants to destroy it. So he, there's this wave of antimatter that's going through the multiverse and just destroying Earths in the, in the process. So if you remember... Uh, at the the end of um, or in the middle and the end of episode nine of Black Lightning, where you had uh, you know the the sky turn red, um, and then at the end of the episode you saw like the wave coming through. That was kind of established in the other shows as like that's the anti matter wave and it's destroying Earth. So um, what Arrow and Flash this season were setting up were there are heroes and villains alike from all over the multiverse who all have a role to play if they want to save the multiverse, if they want to preserve life, preserve the planets, don't let uh, the anti-monitor have his way. So at the end of Black Lightning, if you notice, uh, Jefferson disappeared right before that wave hit. And it's because because he had, he was grabbed by... um, I can't think of the character's name right. Harbinger um, from Arrow. Uh, he was grabbed because he has a specific role that he needed to play in the plan that they were putting together to save the multiverse. So that's where Jefferson is right now. He's with the uh, he was with the other the other heroes uh, trying to put together this plan with the Monitor to save the. Um, to save the uh, the multiverse, which would include whatever Earth uh, that Black Lightning is from. Now, what's interesting is, so we know that Arrow, Flash, Super, uh, I'm sorry, Arrow, Flash, and Batwoman all take place on Earth One, which is you know Prime Earth basically. Um, uh, Supergirl takes place on Earth 38, which is a reference to uh, the year Superman was created, 1938, if I remember correctly. Um, okay. And so they're recruiting uh, in the era, in the episodes you saw, you saw them visit different Earths. It was, it was actually really cool because it tied together, like, a bunch of media from, like, the last 50 years. So, like, you got to see Burt Ward from uh, the old Adam West Batman uh, make an appearance. You had Alexander Knox from the, uh, the, the, the 1989 Batman film. Kevin Conroy uh, got to play a live-action Bruce Wayne. Uh, you got John Wesley Shipp, who's been on The Flash already, but John Wesley Shipp getting to reprise his role as Flash from the 90s. Uh, the Birds of Prey show that existed for, like, one season in, like, 2000, 
two or something. They made a cameo. It was it was really cool. Um, but that's basically the synopsis. I don't want to spoil the the uh, what happens at the at the midway point of the crossover because the final two episodes come out next week, and uh, basically the resolution is going to have really dire effects on all of the shows, Black Lightning included. And so I'm actually curious because of all the shows, Black Lightning is the one that's probably going to have the most change um, of all the shows just because the earth that everyone that we know of and the story we've been watching got destroyed. And so... Now, what do you mean by change? Change in what way? So... If you remember, so in, in that last episode we watched, uh, we got to see Jennifer, um, bit, like, talk to herself from Earth 1 and Earth 2, right? So, like I said, Earth 1 is, like, the prime Earth. That's the Earth where, you know, Arrow, Flash, and Batwoman, like, all of all of their stuff, like, all of that stuff took place on that Earth. And if you remember correctly, on that Earth, on, on that Earth in particular, um, uh, Jennifer was still under control of the ASA. Anissa never came out, you know, never came out to Jefferson and Lynn. Khalil, uh, you know, got his scholarship to UCLA, um, and so on and so forth. And and if you know, if you remember in that in that episode, we watched Jefferson get killed um, in their home by the ASA. So one thing that could end up happening we don't really we don't really know what's going to happen in next week's episode but hypothetically Jefferson is the only Jefferson and possibly Jennifer are the only surviving members of Black Lightning's Earth so it's 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 a question that me and some other people have been going back and forth on which is so is the resolution so are you familiar with the with like the comic story of Crisis on Infinite Earths at all? I am not. So tell me right now. Uh, so the, the the simplest version is DC had all these different comic book runs of characters, and they were like, "Hey, we need to simplify this." So they basically came up with this Crisis story as a way to kill off a bunch of characters, reset their universe, and you know move forward with the characters that they wanted to move forward on. And so presumably... Is that what they consider the New 52? Uh, I, don't, I don't remember if the New 52... It's whatever was before the New 52, because they had a whole... They had another crisis-type event when they went into the New 52, if I remember correctly. But it's, it's the same basic premise of, yes, they killed off a bunch of stuff so they could reboot and start over. Um, and so that's basically what the comic version is. And so with this, with the show, with the shows, uh, a lot of people are kind of viewing this as the way that if you know if you watch the Arrowverse, uh, this will be a way that they can kind of soft reboot some of the stuff. They can get rid of certain characters here. They can you know they can fin- tie out. Uh, they can uh, finish certain plot points that have been going on for multiple seasons. They can you know reestablish this person as this or that person as that. Um, so. Because Black Lightning hasn't been a part of like any of that, it's going to be interesting to see what happens to Black Lightning post-crisis. Because with the other shows, 
oh, oh, actually, I forgot. There's one other major thing I forgot to mention. In the comic book crisis, um, like I said, they had all these characters from various Earths. They eventually consolidated that to just a handful of Earths that existed. And so with the with assuming what's going to happen in this TV event is they're probably just going to bring all of the characters and put them all on one Earth. So Supergirl, one Earth. Uh, Legends of Tomorrow, will one Earth. Uh, Black Lightning, one Earth. And so it's going to be interesting to see because, three, like I said, three of the shows already exist on Earth-1. Technically four, because most of those characters from Legends are from Earth-1 also. So you, you, have okay. four, you have four shows already existing on Earth-1. Supergirl is going to see a lot of change because they're from Earth-38, and that was the first uh, one of the first Earth. That was the first Earth destroyed in the crossover. Supergirl's Earth was destroyed, and they lost a lot of, a lot of people. And so Black Lightning is also going to seemingly have some sort of change going forward. I'm, I'm just curious to see how they do that because, like I said, it wasn't connected to everything else, like, like Supergirl and the other shows are. It's not connected. You know, it, it has a dedicated fan base that more than likely is not watching all the other shows also. So right. I'm curious to see, like, what exa- how exactly they set up Black Lightning's universe post-crisis when, when you know, Jefferson, uh, you know, if, if, they, if they do bring back, uh, you know, the, the earth that Black Lightning is set on, if, if uh, they, they bring it all back, but now it all takes place on Earth-1 where we saw Jefferson get killed and, you know, the rest of the family still be there. I already know there's going to be a lot of confusion for people who don't watch the other shows. So I, I, I don't know what they're going to do. I'm very interested to see. And I'm also interested to see if they continue keeping Black Lightning as part of the universe, not in the sense of, you know, he's just going to pop in on Flash, you know, in a random episode here or there. Logistically, it's not even possible because, you know, all those shows shoot in Vancouver and Black Lightning is in Atlanta. Um, but yeah, I'm I'm most curious to see what they decide to do with that. It, it, the most questions I think I have and most people have are, what's Black Lightning going to look like? And you know, are they going to still honor the fan base that has been watching for uh, uh, two and a half seasons, two full seasons, and this half of the third? Or are they going to go all in with rebooting and doing something totally different than what was going on before? Um, I think if they was to, like, completely, like, you know, side-swipe us and, like, do something completely left field, like, you know, remove Jefferson Pierce and just, like, you know, we watch the rest of the family, I think they will be, I think that would do more harm than good. I agree. Um, I think what would be interesting if, you know, um, this, Earth. I mean, I, again, I haven't read all of the crisis, so I really don't really know what to go off of. But if I had to like guesstimate in a way, I think if this new Earth or Earth or consolidated Earth would somehow combine Khalil's life 
on different planets into one. So maybe he has some of his memory. Maybe he can see, maybe he comes up and he can, like, see the future or some parts of the future or some parts of the past. Um, maybe we see more flashbacks um Jefferson's father. Uh, maybe um, Tobias' sister comes alive. Because this, I feel like the storyline of, what's his name, Lala, I feel like it's kind of like up in the air. Yeah. Like, yeah, there's, I agree. There's, there's, there's no ending to it. Like, he just, like, pops up every rant, like, really randomly. And what I thought they were going with Lala, like, as far as him getting revenge on Tobias, because he can't be killed either, and he hasn't been caught by the ASA. So he's kind of, like, floating around. So right. I would like I would like them to, like, kind of, like, if you're going to wrap up his story, wrap up his story. But just yeah. don't have him, like, floating in the air. And plus you got that other guy, I forgot his name, that's, like, you know, disappears in the air. So you got him, too. So you have, like, these other really random characters that, you know, aren't a big deal, but are a big deal. Right. No, I, I agree. And this could be the way, this could be the way to do it. You know, if there are ideas about, I mean, again, like I said, they, this is in the comics, this is how they did, they did a, a reset for their universe and they were able to set things the way that they wanted. So, I mean, this could be a way to give a soft, uh, uh, give a soft reset for Black Lightning. Like maybe, post-crisis now maybe Khalil uh, still has like abilities but now he's a good guy he's not painkiller you know maybe uh, maybe Lala's story got they can do something to just to show what happened to him you know they, they can wrap up some of this stuff so that going forward you know they, they can folk they can focus in on the characters that they want to focus on and like you said not have these storylines that are kind of up in the air with no resolution to them because if they like if they were to come back and nothing were changed like i'd be curious to see okay so like what's lala's arc supposed to be this season like what is his goal like what was we see where he started like what where what is his journey supposed to have been tobias what is tobias's journey supposed to have been you know going from uh occupation to or uh to wherever he he ends up at the end. It, 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 you know, it would be nice to, to see, to, to get some resolution for some of that stuff. Yeah, because right now we're just kind of like everything's up in the air. But, yeah. you know, I'm hoping for the best. You know, I'm still watching well, the show. I can't wait for it to come back after the holiday break. Um, that, next well, week, I, I believe, right? Yeah, no, yeah. well, the uh, the crossover is next Tuesday, and then Black Lightning comes back the following Monday. So that's the 20th, I believe. Yes, yeah, the 20th. And so it comes back uh, January 20th. It'll have uh, uh, the the next brand new episode. Okay. What's the question you have for me? Oh no. Well, it was going to be uh, so based uh, crisis aside. If you will. What what would you want to see post crisis? Is there any uh, any moments between characters? Any particular story? Anything you like that see happen with the story that you'd like to um, see before going in? I would definitely like to see 
Um, Tobias reunited with his sister. I would definitely like to see Jill Scott again. Oh, yeah. um, I kind of felt like she kind of like faded away. So um, there needs to be like a balance of anti-heroes. And that's why I think that Black Lightning is missing. Black Lightning doesn't mm. really have firm anti-heroes. Like there, there are people who have like anti-hero qualities, but there's like no real deal, true cut anti-hero. Hmm. I agree. Do you think Anissa kind of was playing that role a little bit? She she was. Like there there are aspects of people having like anti hero qualifications, but um an actual anti hero that you can depend on being an anti hero, that is what is missing. I mean, the show can go without it. But I think it will be a lot more interesting if there was an anti-hero. Um, I would definitely like to see that. I definitely um, would like to, like I said, I would like to see Tobias' sister make an appearance post-crisis. Maybe she's, like, living in an alternative world and she pops up somewhere somehow through magic or or, you know, I don't know, some, some something just crosses over and she's, like, here now for a, a certain time being. I would say something like that. I don't want them to um, eliminate anyone in the immediate family along with Gabby. I agree. Like, that's I, I, the core of the show. I, I, I agree 110%, especially on the anti-hero front, because... I, not, like now that I think about it, like as as annoying as Odell was this season, I, I do I did like seeing Jefferson clash with him. I also like seeing Jefferson clash with um who's his friend uh, the Henderson. I also like yeah. seeing him clash with Henderson, where they both. It, I even liked his clashing with Anissa, although I much prefer them to be on the same team because it was it, it was it was good to see. It, it, like if you remember uh, season two of Daredevil, how uh, Daredevil and Punisher, like they, they like they were both essentially trying to do the same thing, but like had very different uh, ways about going about it. And so I would like to see something like that with Jefferson, especially from you know an antihero or someone that they someone they can bring in, whether that ends up being like one of the pod kids or, you know, Khalil's character or, I mean, I don't really want to see him at odds with his daughters. I think, you know, just from a TV perspective is much better to see, uh, you know, black men being great loving fathers to his children uh, on TV. And, and, and black lightning has been really progressive on that front as far as how it's, de- it's dealt with um, uh, Anissa being uh, part of the LGBTQ community you know, so like I would much, I would rather not see him clash with them, but I would, I would like to see someone, uh, someone brought in. I would also like to see. I don't necessarily want to see him have a like a superhero team per se, because I think they've done the team thing on all the other shows. But I would like to see like other heroes like be established in you know that universe. Like I don't think we'll, mm-hmm. we would ever get like an icon or a static shock 
to show up on Black Lightning. I mean, it'd be great if it did. I'd be, I would, I would, it'd be wonderful if it did. But I would like to see, you know, something else because, you know, uh, Black Lightning was the, the, he did lead a superhero team, the Outsiders. And I don't think they necessarily need to go down that route where he's leading them, but I would like to see other people like trying to do, go the hero route. Cause I think that could also solve the, like, the anti-hero thing that we both mentioned. Um, and I want more Tobias. I've, I've, I've missed his villainry this season. And so I, I wanted, I wanted, I wanted to see him get back to his, you know, his kingpin ways. I agree. <laughs> <laughs> now, speaking of kingpin, <laughs> a new year and you know I saw an article talking about you know best TVs and movies of the decade and you know that's a lot of pressure to write all those lists you know Yeah. (laughs) and I was like you know what I'm not going to do it I wanted to but I was like I'm not going to do it that's too much that's too much that's too much but I definitely want to say in the past 10 years I waste I I feel bad that I wasted so much time and energy and and emotions invested in Game of Thrones. I feel like that was the biggest disappointment. It was. It was the biggest disappointment of the last the past for the um past ten years. Like I won't it was lie. So disappointing. <laughs> no, I won't I won't lie. It's part of the reason I stopped watching because I started watching for the first time last year, and then I was because I was like, oh yeah, I'll catch up. I'll get to see like this great TV everyone's been watching for mad years. And then I remember the internet the day that the, the finale hit, or shoot, I, I just remember being on Twitter every uh, when when the new episodes would come out and just see just read just reading the constant disappointment. <laughs> I was like, I don't know if I really want to invest. Seven seasons, you know, eight seasons into the show, just to be disappointed at the very end of it. I don't, I don't know if I want to know, do that. You know what it was? It was. It, it was very. It was very. It confirmed that white men really get away with everything. They could be <laughs> as boring and as basic as they want to be. They don't have to be talented. They just have to know the right people. And they could be rich because, yeah. you know, the first five seasons, and you know what? I'll even be nice and give them six. All they had to do was, like, take the book, because the book is, like, a trillion pages. It's, like, several books, and it's, like, a trillion pages each book. All they had to do <laughs> was, like, you know, create their own, like, summaries for each chapter according to the characters and, like, create action out of it. The material was there, but the problem was, you know, um, George R.R. Martin didn't finish the book. So by the time they got to season five, season six, they're like, okay, holy shit, we don't have any more source material. And George R. R. Martin was basically giving them, 
you know, rough drafts of what he thinks he's going to write. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So it's like you have these these untalented hacks, an incomplete book, and, you know, and to hear that there, they wasn't really even interested in, you know, fantasy or science fiction, like that's not fair that's thing. That's disappointing. You know, like, could you imagine someone that doesn't like fantasy, you know, producing and doing the show running for, like, Star Trek, or someone who doesn't like comics at all? Like, I right, hate right. comics. Comics is a is an ignorant medium, but they're doing the next Marvel movie. Yeah, like, if Martin Scorsese was in charge of Infinity War and Endgame. <laughs> It would be a hot ass mess, and you could tell it was a hot ass mess. Like, like the last season of Game of Thrones felt like somebody who was who had a ten page book report and made it to eight pages and just started like <laughs> putting extra double spaces in the paper. So they could finish it real fast because it was tired of writing. That's what that's what the last episode, the last season of Game of Thrones felt like, and it was so disappointed because you know people were really people, including myself, was like really invested into it, and it's like it was the tragedy of how awful it was. Yeah, so and that was and it, it's a disappointment. Absolutely, yeah, and and it's it's duly disappointing when you hear about how, like George afterwards, George R. R. Martin was like, yeah, there should have been at least two more seasons to like fully wrap everything up, and then you hear that they that HBO basically offered them, hey, you can do as many episodes as you like. We'll give you whatever your budget you need to be. We'll you know whatever you want to do is cool, and they were like, no, 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 no. We're good with just the eight episodes. <laughs> we don't want to do any more work. Just, just the eight. That's it. Oh, that's so sad. So, but I did appreciate the, um, I was really into Daredevil. I'm sad that they're no longer on Netflix. Daredevil was my favorite show along mm-hmm. with Jessica Jones. Jessica Jones was really good. I was happy that they finally released the last season, but I am really going to miss those shows on Netflix. I am too. Cause they, they, they were, they were, I, I feel like they really embodied those characters. I mean, I know that, uh, you know, Marvel's going to reboot them for, you know, whatever the next phase is coming out and, and all that. But like, I really would love to just see Charlie Cox come back and be my Matt Murdock. You know, he, he I, all three seasons of Daredevil, I feel like were just fantastic in like their own way also. Cause like a, a lot of TV shows, when they make it to three or more seasons, like generally you can pick out like, okay, you know, the first two are great. Third one was there or, you know, one to three are cool. Second, you can, skip whatever but with with each season of daredevil in particular it was just it was all really fantastic i mean the the season one was was super captivating season two you had frank castle um come in uh john bernthal was 
fucking great <laughs> as, as the Punisher. Yes. Yeah, I, I just, I was just so, I was a little too excited to watch the spinoff and to see a standalone Punisher season because I just knew it was going to be gore and 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 yep. bloody. And once I figured that they were taking like material from Garth Ennis' run of um the Punisher, I was all in because Garth Ennis also wrote um the boys on amazon oh okay oh well, so that's, it's the same that's perfect yeah, <laughs> yeah that's, that's, that's on brands right there <laughs> yeah so i was totally all in for that um the second season of the punisher i wasn't i wasn't really feeling because i felt, kind of felt like it was rushed and kind of like all over the place um where i thought they should have went with the Punisher for the second season, they completely did a 360. They had all the material to really dive into the whole, um, you know, mafia family in the comics because in the comics, you know, the Punisher, he fights a lot of the mafia. And mm-hmm. I really thought he was going to, they were really just going to introduce, um, I forgot her name, Ma Bella or something like that. Yeah, oh, yeah, like, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, like, she has, like, no hands, no feet, and I think, like, Frank, like, threw, threw her in fire or something like that, and they thought she was dead, and she wasn't really dead, and she came back, and, like, she has this crazy, this, this really crazy vengeance against Frank Castle. I really thought they was going to go there with it, and then when I got the second season, I was just like, oh, okay, like, I guess, <laughs> you know, but, um... Do you think it may have, really, Do you think with uh, on Punisher? Because um, I don't remember when I don't remember when the first wave of cancelings came down. No, well, yeah, I don't remember when the first wave came down. I think they they were they, they, like Luke Cage and Iron Fist had already been canceled by then, right? No, Iron Fist was canceled first. Iron Fist was canceled first. No, I mean, I mean like by the time that. Punisher came out, like that, those were canceled already, right? Like they'd already yeah. started cancel, so I, I, I agree. I, I, I for the most part, kind of like season two, but like uh, you know, it, it wasn't as good as season one. But I, I was kind of curious if, you know, if maybe the cancel, if the cancellations kind of affected how they wanted to end season two. Like if they you know, may have been, may, may, it, like maybe if they had an inkling that. Oh well, you know Marvel. I mean, um, you know uh, Netflix has already canceled, has already canceled this and this. You know, maybe maybe we just need to do something to like just resolve it. I could see that, but I wasn't happy with it. Um, what else? I. Really, 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 really am happy with the remake of She-Ra. I have my reservations. Um, I have my reservations because usually when people start, you know, doing reboots and stuff, it's not as good as the original. But let me tell you, as as an 80s baby who has watched the original Shira and I used to watch He Man. Watching Shira now, this reboot is 
excellent. It's better than the original. Oh, wow. That's high praise. Yeah, the She-Ra on Netflix is, is, is better than the original for a few reasons. Better because it's more consumable, so young kids can watch it. I felt like when She-Ra was out in the 80s, like even though I was a little kid, a lot of stuff I just didn't understand. I just remember, like, you know, She-Ra riding on her, her magical horse and, like, you know, saving the universe, but the storyline was a little bit too um, mature for me to understand. But I feel like the way it's repackaged now in the reboot, little kids can understand it as well as adults. So there was a lot of information that I didn't remember from the original She-Ra that by watching the reboot, I'm all caught up again. And I'm it makes me kind of want to, like, Kind of get back into like the Shira comics and stuff like that, but yeah, the reboot is amazing. Another show that I really enjoy is the Dragon Prince. I've that's heard nothing probably, but glowing things about that one too. That's you know what? That's probably one of the best animated series, original animated series in the past decade. Seriously, like. It is, I would say, if you like Game of Thrones, or you think you will like Game of Thrones, but you wanted to watch something similar with your children, I would watch The Dragon Prince. Dragon Prince. Yeah, because you get everything. You get you get diversity. You get representation. You get magic. You get dragons. You get spells. You get a happy ending. You get emotions. You just get everything you ever wanted in the show in one series. You get elves. You get pretty beautiful colors. The colors are rich and vibrant. Like everything you want from a fantasy show, you get it all in once in the Dragon Prince. Is, is it finished? Like I see it has three seasons. Like is that is that it for it, or is it? Do you think there's going to be more? I think it's going to be another season. I definitely think it's going to be a season four because the way season three ended, it ended in a good place. Like if it, if it completely, if it, if it didn't come, if it wasn't going to be a season four, it's a good way to end it. But I think because there's so much stuff that can still go on with it, there's going to be a season four. But I'm not sure yet. I'm going to add that to my list too. The Dragon Prince is so, so good. That was probably one of the most original um, surprises. Because, you know what, when I first saw it online, I read that somebody was like, if you, this is like, this is like the animated, you know, um, Game of Thrones, but safe for children. And I was like, okay, whatever. And, you know, I watched the first episode, and I was like, you know, this is cute. This is real cute, you know? And then, like, the storyline just picked right up. Like, it wasn't even, like, something that you had to watch, like, four or five, you know, episodes. It started from the beginning. Wow. Like, the characters are cute. Yeah, the characters are cute. They're lovable. You you get to see them grow as individuals. You know, um, 
the king is black, so his son is black, but he also has a white adopted son. Um, he has a sister-in-law that's a warrior, but she's deaf, so she uses sign language to communicate. Um, some of the elves wow. and other, the other warriors are, like, queer. Um, you know, um, there's power and magic. Girls have powers. And, like, you know, they actually have, like, um, high positions. Like, it's really cool. Like, the whole show premise, the storytelling, the imagery is just beautiful. It's, it's, it's tens across the board. Wow. Well, you sold, you sold me, so. <laughs> I'm, <laughs> I I'm definitely love the Dragon Pens. I'm going to watch this at work tomorrow, and, uh, I'll report back after because, yeah, I'm, I'm sold. <laughs> All right. Um, another show that I'm kind of sad that won't be returning is Tuka and Birdie. This show is so underrated. I, honestly, I, I, mean, I, went, I, I went into it not really knowing what to expect. And, not, and like, the first episode, I was like, yeah, I can, yeah, I can take it or leave it. Just whatever. And then... I, I I kept going. And I was like, "Wow, this is actually a really good show." Like, and it, like I found myself binging it without really thinking about it. Like, I I agree. I, I I'd rather enjoy it, and it's it's sad it's not coming back. Yeah, I was like, I I just knew Tuka and Birdie was coming back. I'm like, they got the people be from um. Bojack Horseman behind it. Like, this is a shoe-in for season two. And it was like, nope. I I, kind of felt, you know, disappointed in that because, like, it was... (laughs) I like Bojack Horseman, but having, like, a more woman's point of view with that type of imagery and style is definitely needed. And I appreciate it because, you know, it was very relatable and funny. And I don't, I'm not smoking weed at the moment, but if I did, just watching the colors bounce around on my screen would be a trip, right? I, I just liked it. I was disappointed that it's no longer coming back. Um, Is what that, else did they say why it was canceled? Is there a reason? No, they just, they just said it was, you know, canceled. That's and, you know, it, it wasn't, yeah. Um, what else was we watching in the past few years? I'm so mad about the get down. The get down? Uh, I'm I mad was, about the get down. I, I, uh, it, was, it was such a good, like, I, I get that it's expensive and all this, but, as I, but honestly, there seems reasons why I didn't need two additional seasons. You could have put that money into the get down getting season two because it was like everything about everything about the show was just the music was fantastic. The acting was fantastic. I, I loved getting a, like a brand new Nas verse every episode. Like seriously. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm always going to be here for that. A, a new Nas verse every episode. Yes. I'm, I'm here for it. Uh, seeing uh, Shaolin fantastic and and the other like, it was it was great like it, 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 it like it, even I didn't grow up in like the late seventies at all but like it just it, a lot of times it reminded me of just like going and doing stuff with my friends when I was younger 
It was such a, it was such yeah. a great show, and then it, and it ended on such like an like I feel like they they tried to tie it up as best they could while being unsure about getting another season, but there's still like a lot of uh, there's still like unanswered questions, and I would have personally liked to have seen because uh, apparently the the next season they were going to go into like the early '80s when you first started really having, like, those early, those uh, those first couple rap groups popping up and, yeah. and, and interact with that. Like, yeah, I would, yeah, I'm absolutely here for that. I would, I would have loved to have seen that. I would have loved to have gotten the conclusion of, okay, how did Books get from where he is in the, in the, in the late 70s to now he's headlining his own show, you know, rhyming like Nas, uh, presumably in the modern day. Like, I, I wanted to see that, and we, we're not going to get that. Yeah, it's fucked up. It's really corny. Um, what, are the, what are the decade treats that we have? Rick and Morty. Right? Rick and Morty came out in, what, 2014, 2015, something like that? Man, that, 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 is, a, that is a unique fandom if I have ever come across one. <laughs> You know what? When I I was introduced to Rick and Morty really randomly, and I was like, "What the fuck is this?" <laughs> like, I was like, "Back to the Future" on mushrooms. Like, it was just all <laughs> over the place. Like, but I mean, the first few seasons I was really into, but then it took like a very dark turn. And it started to feel like, you know, like the creators just wanted to just gross you out as much as possible. Well, I mean, like, so. I mean, like I, I, haven't, I haven't watched it consistently, so like, I can't speak with any authority on it. But if that, like, that be with, if that, what you just said is true, then it certainly would explain, like, why, like, the fandom is either really toxic or just, like, really over the top. Like, I, I have not seen, like, a like a, a middle ground as far as... No, that. they're both. They definitely are both. <laughs> <laughs> they definitely like, are both because it's like, you know, like, like, the first few seasons was, like, you know, digestible. Like, okay, it's funny, it's crass, you know. But then, like, when it went dark, it just became... It's like I don't know. Maybe they just wanted to appease a certain fan. There's certain fans that they have, and I was just like, oh, okay. It just kind of wasn't. It it became a less priority for me to watch. Like if it was on, it it became like background noise. Like the new seasons, I still love the old seasons, but the newer seasons are like, eh, you know. Can live without it. I can live without it. I am going. I, I'm going to miss House of Cards. House of Cards was fantastic to me. Absolutely, I love key. And it sucks that Kevin Spacey has kind of become a, a piece of shit <laughs> in the last couple of years because it kind of it kind of sullies the show a little bit for me. Although part of me does mm-hmm. really go back and rewatch those first couple seasons because I just remember how captivating and just. But how how great his character was, how great the writing for that for that show was, and it just I like I still haven't watched the final season, not because 
not because you know I'm protesting or anything. Uh, I I was I loved Claire, so I was totally cool with her, you know, becoming president and all that. But I I tried to watch the first two episodes and it just it just didn't feel the same, and so I just I couldn't make myself finish it. Understandable. That was it. Yeah, I agree. That's also another another wonderful show. Um, let's see what else. Um, Steven uh, Universe. what else is that? Steven Universe. Steven Universe. Just did a whole episode on that. I well, first of all, I want to say thank you, you and everybody else who was part of the Steven Universe um, roundtable, because I found out that um, that episode was really popular amongst, you know, you know, most listened to Steven Universe fandom podcast. Oh, wow. Hey, congrats. That's that's awesome. Yeah, so we need, well, we need to talk about Steven Universe because people really love to talk about Steven Universe and love to hear about it. Like, that's a fandom that has, I mean, it's, it's honestly, it's, it's exploded. Like, back, back when Tumblr was still a functioning social media site, um... There was, like, you couldn't go, I couldn't scroll more than two or three posts without seeing Steven Universe content. Like, there was fan art, there were were theories. Like, you just search Steven Universe on YouTube, you find, you find a million theories. Like, one episode comes out and there's, everyone's producing 47 videos (laughs) about (laughs) what, what could this symbol in the background left corner possibly mean about, you know, the story or, or the diamonds or blah, 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 you know? So, I mean, yeah, <laughs> that, that, the fandom is, is absolutely crazy. And I mean, it's, it's a, it's a super progressive show and, and there's, there's just really so much to love about it. And, and I definitely got to shout out Rebecca Sugar you know I mean, it's, it's, if you think about it, like the way you spoke about Shira earlier being something that you can adult, you can enjoy as an, as a child or as an adult. I mean, Steven Universe would absolutely fit that same category because its its fans are people of all ages. There, you know, there's my 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 younger nieces uh, who are you know around 12 years old, fans of the show. But then you you have people. You know, I'm 31 years old, I'll be 32 next month, and I'm a huge fan of the show. And it's like it's a hard thing to create something that you know can appeal to you know people of all ages like that. Yes, and I am so upset that I'm not. Um, I don't. I'm upset that I don't watch TV Universe as much as I would like to. It's just so much stuff to watch that like you kind of get like behind on stuff, and then yep. like you try to play catch up. And then you're still behind. <laughs> yep, that's and, me with Steven Universe. Yeah, it, well, it's me with Steven Universe too, because I, 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 it, like did this Steven Universe future comes on Saturdays. I like I'm not thinking about watching Steven Universe at eight o'clock on Saturday. <laughs> so like, <laughs> so I've missed I've missed the last month of episodes. I have no idea what's going on. I have to avoid people's Facebook statuses or tweets wherever they mention something, because I'm like, I, I don't know who or what you're referring to, and I don't need to know. All right. How do you feel about Big Mouth? 
I'm sorry, what, how do I feel about what? Big Mouth, the show on Netflix. So, full disclosure, I've, I've maybe watched like half of the first season of Big Mouth. And I, I don't have I don't have an issue I don't have an issue with the show. Um, I was entertained. I I, I liked it. I just the type of humor in it wasn't is like it's not something that always gets me. So I wasn't super pressed to keep watching it. Um, but I don't have an issue. I don't really have an issue about it. I know a lot of people you know super pressed about when new seasons and stuff come out. But I, I don't know just. I, it's one. It's one of those shows that I I say I'll probably catch up on eventually, but I don't feel like I'm missing anything right now. Um, definitely, it's one of those things that if it's on, you'll if you smoke a lot of weed, you'll probably just crack up at it because it's just like more of a visual trip and crass humor about adolescents going through puberty. Um, it's entertaining to me because I like crass humor. Um. Uh, it was a surprise to see, and you know, pretty original. So I liked it. Um, I don't. Shout I think to Maya Rudolph do... too. Yeah, she's hilarious. <laughs> she, um, yeah, I love her. I do love her character, even though I'm not caught up. Um, insecure. Oh, insecure. Oh, of course. I feel like insecure. If it didn't break the internet, it almost broke the internet. <laughs> Yeah, especially season one. It, there, there are very few things that I feel divided Black Twitter <laughs> the way Lawrence Hive and Issa Hive did during season one of that show. Yes. Especially when we had that. That especially after we got the the finale after the it concluded, and then we had that gap between then and season two, and it just felt like. Especially the night the episode came out, but but just for months after it was, it countless memes, you know, countless arguments. Oh, you know, Lawrence is a bum and blah blah blah. Or Issa's a cheating ass, lying ass, you know, like <laughs> like <laughs> it. We we would be remiss not mentioning that show, and <laughs> just because of like the the sheer controversy of that first season. All right. Did you watch um, Adventure Time? No, I I've missed out on the Adventure Time wave. Although I've been told oh. that I would I would probably really love it. Like I've seen a few episodes of Adventure Time. I just don't really get it. I feel like I have to start from the beginning because it just seems to me like it's supposed to be like a cute kid with a dog and they go on like these little adventures, but it seems like the dog is like this is like uh uh Joe Pesci as a dog or something like he's really fast <laughs> and like and, and like is mean so I feel like I need to start from the beginning to like really get it but like it was on for like almost 10 years and people that like it love it same with Archer Archer came out oh. in like 2008 2009 that was like a whole like movement Oh no! I can I can speak to Archer. I I love me some Archer. I'm behind I'm behind on that show too. But I if if it's anything like Archer, then like I get it. Archer is amazing Archer. no matter. <laughs> <laughs> Archer is amazing no matter where like what no matter what is going on 
and whether you're caught up or not. <laughs> I when I start watching Archer, I would like sit in my room and like smoke weed and like I would turn on like my Google my Google Chrome, I had like a Google <laughs> Chromecast and I would like project the show onto my wall. And it would be like me, 2, 3 o'clock in the morning, cracking the fuck up, <laughs> watching Archer on my wall. And I would just be cracking up. Like, why <laughs> is this show so ignorant? Because it's so ridiculous. And then Archer's one-liners just always kill me. Like, just a little subtle under-the-breath comments. Or like the, the the what hooked me on it was was the the first episode when he got the erection at the thought of his mom dying, which sounds really morbid <laughs> if, you have, if you have no context of Archer, but in the moment it was like the fun that was the funniest thing ever, and I will crack up laughing any time I watch that. <laughs> yes, that is that's hilarious. So I. You know, we had um, Archer. Archer was hilarious to me, Archer and I guess we could we could we could circle we could circle back to BoJack Horseman. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, BoJack is just BoJack. You know, like he was a. I guess what was funny to me, like anybody who views animals as people, is always hilarious to me. I'll always yep. watch it <laughs> because it's just hilarious to me because I'm childish. But his, I think his deny his his dynamic with like peanut butter mm-hmm. just cracks me up because you have someone that's like optimistic and someone who's pessimistic, and right. then like it's just a hilarious exchange between the two. And since we're talking about BoJack. Also, the past decade gave us Bob's Burgers. Bob's Burgers. Why is Bob Burger so funny? I I I don't know. <laughs> I, I never I, I, I never thought like an animated series would replace or at least give the Simpsons competition, but Bob Burgers did. It's up there for sure. It was hilarious. Like all the kids are hilarious. <laughs> um, did you watch Atlanta? I wasn't really a fan of it. I did. Um, I, I, I enjoyed it. I'm generally a fan of Donald Glover. Um, generally. I'm, I'm, I'm not going to make excuses for his problematic past or even the problematic stuff on Atlanta. But for the most part, I, I, for the most part, I, I enjoyed it. Um, there, there are definitely a bunch of episodes bunch of episodes that I can that I watched there that reminded me of like being in my early twenties, like the episode where they went to the club. Um <laughs> that episode they went for the they went to the club with Paperboy. What's up? Um that reminded me of my youthful days of actually leaving my house and going to the club. Uh awkward dinner parties. Like I, I, I enjoyed Atlanta. Season two didn't grab me as much as season one did, but I, overall I, I enjoyed it. Um, I'm, I'm, it, it's got me curious enough that I'm, I'm willing to see whatever Donald has planned for season three. And I mean, it provided us with a, it provided us with, I feel like a lot of great gifts and memes, uh, from it. Like, uh, yeah. that one, that one episode where you had the, the, 
the dude talking about I'm a 35-year-old white man. <laughs> yeah. Not to mention, they introduced us to Lakeith Stanfield. So if if Atlanta is good for nothing else, it did that. Oh, and, and Brian Tyree Henry and uh, Zazie Beat. So, I mean, it's it's great just on that front, if nothing else. All right. So let's, you know, before we wrap this up, let's talk about music, because I know you love talking about music. Of course, talk about music. <laughs> so... The past decade, what were we listening to? I know at the beginning of the decade, it was all about Kanye's My Beautiful Dark Twisted Fantasy, Drake, Rick Ross, Nicki Minaj, Ghostface, yep. um, trying to think, Waka Flocka, wow. <laughs> Taking it back, right? Yeah. Um, Village. Um, who else? Shit, I you think Chris was still dropping music. Was he? <laughs> yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. I think he was. He was, he, he was still he dropping did. music at the beginning of the decade. That, he uh, might have put his last album out until, <laughs> like, 2016, if I remember correctly. Um, let's see, who else? Little Wayne was still dropping albums B.O.B. Was, was doing stuff around then. That was around his start. Um, who else was dropping? Erica Badu had an album with Kendrick Lamar. Um, I'm just, you know. Are we just talking about like the first half of the decade? The whole decade, but we're starting from the beginning. Oh, okay. okay, Yeah. yeah. I'm trying to think. uh, I'm Googling. Oh, yeah, Erica Badu's ah. New New America came out. That was the very beginning, 2010. I was disappointed in Watch the Throne. That came out Thank in, like, you. 2011, 2012. I was so disappointed in that album because I felt like it's been a very long time since Jay-Z actually gave us some actual heat. And yeah. I know people like to, like, dick ride him or whatever, I'm just talking about musically. Like, I feel like Jay-Z is so lazy musically. Like, he'll give us, like, eight bars, 16 bars, and keep it moving. Like, he ha- he hasn't rapped, rapped in a very long time. I don't know if it's his age or because he doesn't really have to. I think, like, it, I, think it was that. I think it was that. He didn't really have to. Like, after American Gangster, it was like... I don't actually need to try. I can just put something out and it's going to do well. Because Blueprint 3 happens. Uh, <laughs> Watch the Throne happens. Uh, <laughs> like, uh, what was the other? Uh, Magna Carta. Like, all like all of these. Terrible. Are, all yeah, of them are terrible. Just like, like, bro, like, why? Are, like, why? Like, they all came off, they all came off like he woke up one day and was like, well, you know, I guess I can just, you know, record a rap album today. Why not? And then just did it without, like, not feeling inspired. Just like, yeah, you know, just, you know, just drop a bar, drop some bars here, or there, put it out there for the public. People, people will like it. I'll, I'll make a pop culture reference that people will quote, you know, on their Facebooks and Twitters, and you know, get to know. <laughs> Yeah, I feel like that's what he really does. Um, let's the see. crazy thing about Watch the Throne, the crazy thing, this is my unpopular opinion, my unpopular opinion, 
as washed as Jay-Z was on Watch the Throne, I still think he was better than Kanye on that album. I mean, Kanye is not really a rapper-rapper. Like, he says, he he is like, he's like in the same category with RZA to me. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, no, I, except, I, I agree. except that except that like RZA has more passion for trying to rap. That's the only difference. No, I, I agree. Oh, we need to put that Wu Tang American Saga series in the best TV series and shows for the decade because that shit is fire. Put your W's up. Yeah, um, put your W's up. Let's see what else. What else did we get in the decade? Early part of the decade, we got really? Life Is Good by Nas. I thought that oh. was a very good music project. Man, I I mean I he was rapping. I'm I felt opposite. like he was, Oh, you you didn't like it? I felt like he was rapping like a hurt nigga, but I thought it was okay. It was better than well, the other no, shit he was putting out. Well no well the hurt nigga stuff I was cool with. It was uh like those first couple joints, like the production like that the I forget what the first song is called, but the first joint was produced by Justice League and that beat to this day is one of the most beautiful beats I've ever listened to. And I'm just like, Nas, what do you like are you trying to do your Meek Mill impression? Like, why are you yelling at me on the mic? Like, you can just rap. <laughs> like, you can just rap to me. Like, I felt like he was trying to over-rap his verses, and it didn't sound it didn't sound really natural. Like, I wasn't a Rick Ross fan at the time, but that accidental murder joint they did, I thought Ross, I thought Ross watched them on it. And I was like, wow, I never thought I would feel that way about Nas rapping ever. So, like, I, I don't know. The, the production is great. There are a couple joints here or there. Because that's the one that has that uh, that joint with uh, Amy Winehouse on it. Right. right. And then they do that uh, that song, Daughters, I think it was called. Yeah, I like yeah. Daughters. Yeah, yeah. Like, they're, they're, like you said, a couple joints from there. But overall, it's like, I wasn't really I wasn't really feeling it. But I, I will say it's it's better than, I guess, the, the, the other stuff he's put out the rest of the decade. So... Yeah, because that other shit he was putting out, I was yeah. like, what is he doing? Yeah. Like, ugh. Like, you, you know um, it's bad when he dropped Lost Tapes 2 last year and they got no traction. I was really disappointed in that, but then I read that he those, those were just like his throwaways on one album. Yeah, um, she should have actually thrown them away. <laughs> um, what else? We got we got two chains in the in the early part of the decade. We're from Titty Boy uh, to Two Chains. Two chains. That's right. Big Crit. Big Crit also. Yeah, we Crit came out. Uh Fonte had his first solo joint at the beginning. Actually Lil uh, Brother put out their last album at the very beginning too. I forgot. Yeah. We also got um um what else did we get? Um, we got the Donald, your, your boy, Donald Glover album came out. Yeah. We got Tyler. <laughs> we got that. Yeah, we got Tyler. We got Tyler. Big Sean and, came out early that year. 2011. Um, Carter Ford. Um, what else came out? I think Lucas and Joe Button dropped the album in the early part of the 2010. Oh, we got Good Kid, Mad City, of course. 
um, Schoolboy Q. Yep, and we, we we got arguably one of the greatest black anthems of all time when Meek drops that Dreams and Nightmares. <laughs> got one of the best rap songs of the decade that came out. <laughs> Let's see. Um, trying to think about some R&B that came out. I'm pretty sure. Um, what am I missing? Well, we know Erica Bardu came out. Um, at first, that album that 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 that, that album really took a while to grow on me. Uh, New America one? Part Two. New America Part Two. It's not that I didn't like it when it first came out. It's just that it took a while for it to grow on me. I, I agree. That was the one that had window seat on it, right? Yeah. Yeah, like window seat was cool. I think I think most I think most people, most men especially, I think we watched the video and heard the song after. <laughs> um, <laughs> the album, I agree though. Like I didn't like even, to this day. There's only two songs I really bumped from that album. That was uh, you don't want to fall in love, and then the the one right after it. Uh, I'm a I don't I don't remember the name of it. It's like I'm in something something over lover. I don't remember the name. Oh yeah yeah yeah. I like that song too. Yeah, um, like actually, I like a a large amount of her project from music from that um album now. But I had to appreciate it later on. Like, it wasn't like I heard it. Like, when Mama's done, everything I heard for the first time, I loved it. It was something mm. that, like, I had to keep listening to, listen to it later on. And then I'm like, okay, I like it. Um, We got re- a lot of Rihanna music in the beginning of the decade. A lot of we got Rihanna music. I, feel, I don't think she could give us any more. Um, no. We got talk That's a done deal. <laughs> So y'all better you know just what? appreciate anti and keep it moving. I don't blame her though. Um, we got um, we got talk that talk. I like the album. We got Jill Scott album. She dropped that also. Yeah. Oh yeah. Um, that's right. Well, we had a Jill Scott album. We had a um. March and Broses. Broses. Yes, I think I think Layla Hathaway dropped some. Yeah. Oh yeah, Layla had Layla definitely had one. Lettucey had one. It was a really interesting time in the early 2010s with when it came to um, R&B music because it was kind of like. It was kind of like people were trying to, like, test the waters on, like, how they can change their sound because mm-hmm. hip-hop was changing the sound. But I think it all came to a stop when black radio dropped. Oh, I think yeah. Black, I think black radio was like, was, like, a signify, like, okay, you niggas could be yourselves, like. <laughs> no, seriously, because I feel like black radio was just so beautiful. Like, it was just so so beautiful the music you know it was just very chill and I mean, you know music, the, the, no go ahead it's, I mean it, it was it was it was a very smooth cohesive album and it, it just there were so many wonderful voices on there I mean even the rap features um that showed up on there like Lupe Fiasco and Bilal on the same joint 
all right. <laughs> Wasn't expecting that. But I like it. Um, the the joint with uh, Most Deaf was dope. Uh, the joint with Levacy was dope. Obviously, Afro Blue Erica was was great. I mean, it was it was just it was it's it was a fantastic project from start to finish. Like it, it's really something you can just put on and you could just like lose yourself in the music. Yes, and I really appreciate it. Um, another album that took a while for me to to actually like really embrace all of it was Bilal. Bilal dropped the album, but it was so different. Like, you know how you expect Bilal? I don't even think I heard his album. Yeah, it was like... Which one did he drop? He dropped one in like 2012, 2013, A Love Surreal. It was just really different. But, you know, now that I listen to it, I really like it. And he's really, really underrated. Um, he is. I, I it's really saw him, hard. I saw him on a whim. <laughs> I, saw, I saw him. Actually, I think I remember that album very vaguely. I love Surreal, right? Mm-hmm. Is that, is that, yeah, yeah, yeah. I think I saw him perform that album on a whim at the 930 Club that year. I could be wrong. But I don't remember. I'll have to go back and listen to it because I don't remember the album. I remember you his know, performance being dope, though. You know what it is? It's hard to drop an R&B album in the era of Beyonce. Yeah. Well, especially that, that, especially that year. Yeah, you can't was, drop an album when Beyonce drops. You, you can't even do the whole year, like because any album will get overshadowed by Beyonce. Like that's yep. just. And, and and if you remember that year, that was the year that she changed the music industry forever. When she, right. With no with no announcement, no 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 press release, no singles. It was just like, hey. Here's my album, and then just dropped it. You do you remember Twitter that night? My Twitter, my Twitter, my Twitter stopped working because, uh, like it was it was overcrowded, it was overused. Like my it, my stuff was not loaded, and then I finally got it to load. It was like Beyonce was trending. <laughs> just, yeah, just Beyonce the house really out of broke nowhere. the internet. Yeah, she really broke the internet. Um, speaking of the internet, 2015-2016, we got introduced to the internet. The internet, yeah. And that is a beautiful album. What I love about albums and from artists that is super popular, like you know Beyonce and stuff like that, they're able to sustain themselves just by putting out good shit. Agree. You know? Agree 110%. It was also a testament to... It was also a testament to... Because if you remember, they they were also part of that whole Odd Future Collective. And right. And, like, to that, to that point, all we knew of Odd Future was Tyler... Was, was Tyler and Earl, you know, doing, doing their, you know, shock 
their shock rap thing, and then you have Frank Ocean, you know, who who I think in 2015, that was like during that hiatus where he just disappeared and, you know, wasn't putting music out or, or something like that. And so it was right. really refreshing to get, uh, and it's like you, you had heard of Sid by that point, but if you weren't familiar with Odd Future's music, you, you know, because she didn't rap and she wasn't really featured on their stuff, so you didn't really get exposed to her or the the rest of the group. So it was it was really nice to hear, like, when they came out, for them to, A, establish themselves as their own group, B, sound very different than the R&B that Frank Ocean was producing, and also be very different than the two most popular or the other, the other popular members of the same collective in uh, Frank, Earl, and Tyler, of course. Yes, I agree. Now, let's hop around to, like, towards the mid-decade, like, 2016. Okay, so Beyonce dropped Lemonade, right? Okay, so Lemonade, everyone loves Lemonade, like, the whole co- the cultural references of Lemonade. But I want to talk about a seat at the table, because mm. Lemonade gets all the props, certainly so. But I feel comfortable with saying that Solange, a seat at the table, really solidify her as a creative. And I have been making Solange comparisons to Emile LaRue for quite some time now. Mm. And I kind of felt like, okay, this is, this is it right here. Because if you've listened to an Emile LaRue album and you listen to a seat at the table, it sounds like they were on the same wavelength. Because Emile LaRue has some really dope-ass albums, and I don't understand why they never really popped off. Because if you Mm -hmm. listen to her album, she has the look, she has the sound. You know, I don't know. Maybe because, I don't know, maybe her record, her management wasn't really pushing it, but Solange to the Table is exactly what, I my ears feel like Emile LaRue had put out. Like, that's the same vibe. And I also think it really solidified Solange as, like, a prof- I don't want to say a professional musician, but like it really put her out there on the forefront in a way that I don't think her previous music did. Because, like, those of, I mean, many of us knew of Solange, of course, because she was Beyonce's sister, and we probably heard some of the stuff she had put out previously, like I Decided, for example. Like, we had heard that she was doing stuff before, but See at the Table was just like, it, it, it was it was just a, it was a, it was her, uh, her, like, Mona Lisa, if I had to draw, like, an art reference. Like, it was, it was just a, a beautiful piece of art that regardless of whether you had heard of Solange, regardless of whether you were a fan of her or a fan of that type of music, you had such an appreciation for it because it was, it was, it was super, it was different. It was super creative. It was a very black album, a very black album. And if you're someone who, you know, enjoys a lot of like, what many will call like the golden age of R&B and a lot of the neo-soul of, of uh, previous decade or the decade 
you know, b- before it, then it, it was it was a nice callback to that, but also like really forward um, in terms of its sound and its production and its its lyrical themes. Also, I mean, it it, it made me a fan of Solange. I I had heard of her, I had listened to some of her music before, but like that was the project I was like, all right, you've earned spots on my playlist. You you have earned my ear because this this is a fantastic piece of work. You know what else we got in 2006 outside of Lemonade? We got we got a dose of Anderson Pack, and I don't think my life has been has changed since listening <laughs> to Anderson Pack. Like seriously, like do you know how hard it is to stand out in the music industry when a Beyonce album is out? It is very hard. <laughs> what was that? What was what was what was that? 2016 was that Malibu? Yes. Oh man, yeah. And he it said he came out of nowhere too. Cause didn't he sort of get on too? Cause uh, Dre had put out the soundtrack and like Anderson was all over it. Yeah, he was with all the drums on it, and you know Malibu just came out of nowhere. That's right. That was also, if you remember, that was also around the same time that. Tim, that he uh, that he started popping Janelle Monet. Um, yes, Katranda. Katranda yep. dropped his project in yep. 2016. It was, it was around. It was around the time all of them started coming out, and I, I distinctly remember uh, many of them also like actively promoting and supporting each other. Like there was, yes. if I remember correctly, that was the year that I feel like uh, Janelle. Play, she played at some award show. She was playing at some award show, but she had Anderson like playing drums and um, Bruno Mars doing the keyboards and uh, some other folks uh, doing the doing the with her. Then like at a different award show, it was the the same thing when Bruno performed. Anderson was doing something, and Janelle and some of the other folks were. Um, yeah, I, I remember that. I love that. I love it. It really was. Um, Let's see. So we're coming up to, like, you know, closer in time now. So 2008, 2008, we got Janelle Monae, 30 Computer. Um, Drake, of course, he never goes away, really. Well, yeah, I was gonna say <laughs> you never, you never really escaping, uh, you never really escaping Drake. Um, oh, we're twenty eighteen. That's uh, we got Cardi. Well, she technically yeah. blew up at the end of twenty seventeen, but twenty eighteen was really like Bodak Yellow was everywhere. And yeah, that that was also when she really started popping off with some of the other stuff too. Her album came out that year, um, Invasion of Privacy. Uh, came out that year. Um, that was uh, that was why wow, 2018 was a Astro World, Daytona, Scorpion, uh, No Name, Room 25 was that year. Mm-hmm. Uh, the the late Nipsey Hussle, Victory Lap, uh, Cupcakes album came out 2018. The I think the last Mac Miller album came out that year, Swimming. 
There's a lot. There's a lot. There's a lot of music that came out there. Oh, yeah. Oxnard came out that year. Oh, you know who else I forgot? I forgot to mention Big Baby Drum. Oh, of, of course. I forgot to mention. I'm so sorry. Big Baby Drum. He. I feel like he's so underrated. I feel like he doesn't get the props he deserves. He needs he more flowers. He needs oh, more that's... flowers because his rendition of Prototype mm. is by far the best thing I've ever heard. Like it's it's like it's like it's like perfectly aged bourbon with honey. And lemonade, like it's just perfect. Is I mean, his harmony, his melody, his tone is just perfect. And that that's a hard for me to say because I feel like nobody but Andre can sing that song. But hearing him sing it was like, wow! I didn't think that could be possible. <laughs> we also didn't mention D'Angelo's album. What? Oh, wow. <laughs> D'Angelo. <laughs> D'Angelo came back. D'Angelo came back. He, I saw him at um, Afropunk before his album dropped. He performed live at his um, at Afropunk, and I was like, wow. I'm so happy he's back. I yeah. love his album. I love that album. I mean, it, it was good for him because I remember before then, the only time you were he- hearing about D'Angelo anywhere was because of a, him uh, uh, becoming a meme on Twitter. I, I still remember that purple suit meme that people <laughs> were doing in like, the, in like 2015 or whenever, whenever year that came out. I'm glad, I'm glad he put some music out. Because that that, otherwise that was going to be our lasting memory of him from the decade. And you know what? We probably won't get another one until like another 10 years from now. Oh, no. He's, he's going he's gonna to be on that, that Maxwell thing. Just disappear for mad years and then come out of nowhere. It's like, oh, hey, guys. Music. So I'll, I'll be ready for it whenever, whenever that happens. Okay, we're going to be all old, but he's going to be like, oh, here's my album. <laughs> <laughs> and you know what annoyed me when I saw him at Afropunk? What annoyed me the most is, like, there were so many white people in the crowd talking about some brown sugar, brown sugar. I'm like, y'all at Afropunk. Why would he sing brown sugar at Afropunk? <laughs> white people are so annoying. Yeah, well, that's also Afropunk. <laughs> That's uh, yeah. It's part of the reason I haven't gone yet. I um I canceled Afropunk. I'm good. I mean, I'm not I'm not gonna like sit up and like berate people for going to Afropunk because I get the reason why they go. But I started going to Afropunk in like 2011, I believe. 2010, 2011. And when I used to go, it was free. And I used to roll up at Afropunk at like 4 o'clock 
5 o'clock, right before the big names came on stage. I was still able to get into the park, no lines. I would sit on the ground and eat my food with my friends, smoke my weed, and listen to music. And now it's, like, filthy, it's dirty as hell. You know, it's just, it's a hot-ass mess, and I'm just not interested. Yep. Not to mention, too, it, it seems like every couple of months there's a new story coming out from somebody who used to work there about whatever, about some shady stuff that's going on behind the scenes uh, with the people who put who put Afro Punk on. So, yeah, um, I'm also good, even though I haven't been. I am like over it, and it's so sad because Afro Punk used to be like a really cool spot to chill out, meet some new black people, and just hang out and just chill, and now it's just, like, it's, it feels like it's more white people at Afropunk than it is black people now. It, it's, uh, it sounds like it. It, 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 it sounds like it, and, and also judging from the pictures that, that I usually see, you know, going around, like, you know, I'll, I'll see, you know, the pictures of the black people in the forefront, but then you look in the crowds behind, behind them, or you look in the VIP section, and they don't look like us. <laughs> nah, it's definitely. I I knew that Afropunk was turning for the worse when I saw um, Vogue write an article on Afropunk fashion. Uh, uh, I was like, oh, Vogue? Oh, hell no. That's a wrap now. <laughs> yeah, I was like, oh, you didn't made it. Afropunk that made it to Vogue. It's never going to be the same. And it, it literally was not the same the following year. So, <laughs> well, I mean, um, we could probably talk forever. Um, I just recently wrote an article on Fabulous Mag about some of the best books, comics, and graphic novels to read if you want to read about black girl superheroes or black girls as protagonists. So um, I just want to go through the list um, real quick before we wrap this up and just talk about, you know, some of the things I listed. Um, I definitely listed um, Octavia E. Butler Kendrick, but I um, both the book and the graphic novel, I really, really, really appreciate what um, Professor John Jennings is doing with Octavia um, Butler's work. Um, creating these graphic novels around her work really illustrates the impact of her words that sometimes can be missed if you're reading it in just black and white. Um, I also listed the Black Panther World of Wakanda by that um, Roxanne Gay wrote. I feel like people shitted on that, you know, graphic novel. But I thought it was dope. Like, I, I enjoyed it more so than some of the single... Well, here's the thing about me. I'm not a big... Like, I would rather read the graphic novel. Like, I'm not someone who's going to go to the comic book store every week to pick single issues. I want the whole collection. Yeah. You know, I don't want to read. <laughs> it is expensive. Like, you know, comic books be like 3 $4. Like, right. that's damn nearly a magazine. Like, I might as well wait <laughs> until all of the, you know, the series is out and buy it for like $10. Bingo. 
um, speaking of bingo, Bingo Love by T. Franklin. Um, that was a very <laughs> uh, T. Franklin. So she had this really successful Kickstarter, and I think 2018, I believe, and she put out this, you know, Bingo Love graphic novel that was about um, these two women in the 60s who met in like church, I believe, and you know they loved each other. It was like kind of like love at first sight. But, you know, because it was the 60s and, you know, because they had all these other um, commitments, they had to marry men and have children, you know, they didn't really hook up with each other until they was, like, late in their 60s. So it's a really cute, you know, romance, graphic novel. Um, it's cute. Um, T. Franklin also did Juke Joint, which was released on um, Image Comics. And um, unfortunately, it got canceled, but it was really cool because it was like kind of like conjuring and, and hoodoo based. And they were like in Louisiana and it was like this like brothel, but they were like, uh, they were like zombie witches and they were like protect women and stuff like that. So I thought it was pretty cool. Um, Moon Girl and the Devil Dinosaur. I love Moon Girl. Have you ever read Moon Girl? I I have not, but I, I'm I'm intrigued because I've I've learned a little bit about the character, and and uh, Moon Girl is also getting a, a TV show, right? Or, uh, yes, and I'm so excited. Yeah, so I'm I'm here for it. I'm yeah I'm 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 I definitely want to uh, get into get into reading and pick up some issues. All right, so Moon Girl, she's a, she is the smartest, not one, but the smartest person in the Marvel Universe right now. She's a fourth grader, and I love Moon Girl. She's, and I love, like, her interactions with, like, other Marvel characters. Like, I love how she talks to um, the Hulk. Like, she's, like, so um, matter-of-factly, and it's so cute to see how she talks them and I also love in one of the issues I read because she again she is the smartest person in in the Marvel Universe I love how T'Challa you know goes to her for information like he kind of like not I don't want to say confides confides to her but he consults with her so he sees her as an equal at least intellectually and I find that amazing now what I haven't read I haven't read Far sector, and I, I'm from what I understand, um, DC Comics has a new green planner, and it's a woman, it's a black oh, yeah. woman. Mm-hmm. And I haven't read it though, but it looks really interesting. How, do you know anything about it? Uh, no, I don't. I don't know very much about it. Um, I actually have a YouTube video I've been meaning to watch um, about it because I, I was really, I was really curious because. Um, the, the fact that there's a black female Green Lan- a black woman Green Lantern, I'm here for it. You know, I cosplay Green Lantern, so I want to find someone who's going to cosplay her at uh, one of these conventions I go to. But no, I don't, I don't really know much of anything about her. Oh, that's dope. Um, another interesting uh, comic that has black women as protagonists and heroes is have you heard of Bitter Root with um Yes, oh uh, Bitter Root is so fantastic. All right, so let me be frank. So 
I remember I got the press release for Bitterroot through Image Comics. I was like, okay, I'm going to read it. The first issue, I really had a hard time reading it because I really, it was hard for me to read because I felt like the art was really, I feel like the art is really good. I love the visuals of it, but I felt like the wording got lost in the art sometimes. So I found mm-hmm. myself like rereading it a few times to figure out what was going on. I can, I, can I, agree. I, I can agree with that. Yeah, I can, I can see that. So, I mean, it's not a bad story. It was just um, initially when I started reading it, it was a little hard for me to read. But Ryan Coogler is going to be making it like an anime. I don't know if it's going to be animated or action. I think it is animated. Sure. I think it is. I, I hope think, it's animated. I think, it, I think I read that it was supposed to be animated. Even if it's live um, action, I'm I'm here for it either way. Um, what else was popping in the past decade? Um, a lot of books. Malika by Unique Studios. I interviewed them at New York Comic Con. So, um, the creator of Malika is African, and he released. He created Unique Studios, and he's been releasing these series of books about Malika, the warrior queen, who is, like, this military commander who is, like, trying to fight for peace in her kingdom. So um, if you are into, like, sci-fi, action, romance, and you are looking for books that center black women, they are out there and more are being produced and more are being released and coming out. So don't fret. It's coming. Whatever you and if you if you if you're not able to find what you're looking for, write shit yourself. That's my advice for 2020. <laughs> write the shit yourself. <laughs> so I want to thank you. We actually talked for quite a while. Thank you, thank you, thank you for this wrap up. And happy New Year to you all. I will be you'll be hearing from me lately. Break is over. I just wanted to regroup myself, enjoy the holidays, and a couple times I was sick because the weather is trash. But now I'm back and I'm here, so I look forward to talking to y'all about TV and everything in between. We got so much to catch up on. So I want to thank you all for listening as always. Please, 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 if you enjoy the show, if you enjoy any of other Dainty Thug episodes, please consider supporting me on Patreon. The link is in the description. And I will talk to you all later. Thanks, Brooke. No problem. Be easy. All right. Peace.